Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program. And I think it's reasonable for every, particularly every man that gets to the end of their life and they think, what have I done? What, what, what's going to be left behind? What's my legacy? What was Paul's legacy? What did he manage to achieve throughout his life? Over the past few weeks, we've been coming to know a very proud and committed Jew named Saul, and we've learned of his conversion and transformation, such that he was known as the Apostle Paul. We come now to a place where Paul knows that his life is coming to an end, and he's happy that he's run the race well. How can Paul claim that he had finished the race well? Tonight is the final in a series on the life of the Apostle Paul. Let's join Dr. Corbett now for Paul, a race run well. Let's pray. I'm going to ask God to speak to us as we open his word. I'm concluding a series on someone who's had a profound effect, not just on my life, but on uh, millions of of lives as well so let's pray father i don't want to be impressive this morning but i do want to impress i want to impress upon everyone listening to me right now jesus i want to impress upon them what jesus can do in a life i want them to know that jesus can take people who are ordinary normal average usual and do something extraordinary special and unique in them that father no one is beyond the reach of your love no one is beyond the reach of your grace no one is beyond the reach of your mercy and i pray in this moment that you would speak through your word to each one of us and i pray that the holy spirit may confirm the word with signs and wonders following in jesus name amen we are looking at the Apostle Paul and he was Saul, he was Saul of Tarsus and this man who literally changed the world, I think he's regarded, he's probably in, easily in the top three most influential people of all time, uh, of course Jesus Christ is at the top of that list and I want us to see something in, in this man. And, and as we've seen, he was a, a very religious man, but yet he didn't know God. And that's a thought I think some of us need to appreciate. You may have been going to church all your life. I was going to church all my life. I mean, literally from the womb and popped out and went to church the next Sunday. And that's not quite how my mother describes it, but uh, it's how I remember it. Anyway, and so from there... I remember going to St. Matthew's East Geelong um, Sunday by Sunday and being bored out of my brains. And that church, a little Anglican church, which I thought at the time was huge until I went back there later in life and realised just how small it was. But it had those old wooden rafters. And I, I, my, my activity through the sermon was, to, and don't you dare do this, was to count the number of bolts holding the, the rafters together. That was my challenge each Sunday. And then one Sunday... There was the invitation to partake of Holy Communion, which in order to do that in the Anglican tradition, you have to undertake confirmation. And so everyone else around my age, which was around about 14, 15, said, 
let's do it. And so I was just sort of swept along and started to do it. And a part of the exercise was to read something that this guy, Paul, had written. In fact, it was the assignment was to read his epistle to the Romans. And I read that. And as a, a something 15-year-old, it just, it gripped me. And around that time, I, I remember having the interview with the minister, the Reverend Peter Payne, and something was beginning to stir in my life. And my, my thinking was changing. And unbeknownst to me, while all that was going on, the, the Reverend Peter Payne was very, very keen to see people go from being a churchgoer, religious, to becoming a Christian who actually knew Christ, actually knew Jesus, not as some guy who wore sandals a long time ago, but as somebody who could come into your heart right now and change your life. I didn't fully appreciate that at the time. I reflect that years later when I really, I, I gave my life completely to God and asked him to fill me with his spirit and, and fill me with the fire of God and let me always be on fire for him. That I remember listening to a cassette tape because I was trying to consume sermon cassette tapes at the time and you may need to ask your grandparents what they are. And I heard this sermon and, and I heard this preacher and I thought, wow, this guy's great. I wonder who this is. And took a cassette out and it was the Reverend Peter Payne. And the thought was, I, I sat under that guy's ministry for years and did not appreciate what I was hearing because my, and this won't surprise anyone, my heart and my mind were dull. And some of you, I know what some of you are thinking. Not much has changed. But it was, it was really dull. And, and when I gave my life to Christ, I began to think different. I began to hear different. My heart felt different. And that has been a part of the process, part of the journey of my life as well. The Apostle Paul started off as Saul. He, we deduce from the text that he was born in Turkey. He says he was born in Turkey. He started off in Turkey, a little place called Cilicia. And he was then sent basically to what we would consider to be something akin to boarding school. And I've pointed out that all of this indicates, and especially the fact that he was so angry, so angry, that he would have had what we know to be and consider to be a very dysfunctional relationship with his father. Very distant, dysfunctional. I've noticed a lot of angry young men, and might I say, a lot of just scratch the surface, just under the surface, a lot of angry, frustrated older men who when you actually probe their heart, you realise that connection that God, I think, has designed for every young man in particular to have, and also young ladies, to have with their father was not what it should have been. And for Paul, I think that was certainly the case. We actually have reference through the book of Acts to Paul's sister. We have reference to Paul's uh, nephew. Uh, his nephew was the one that reported to the Roman authorities that there was a plot by some Jews to kill Paul. They vowed not to eat until they had assassinated Paul. Today, they still have not had a meal. And so, trust me, they're not eating at the moment. So we have these references where Paul, it comes into the text that we get little glimpses of his family, but not one mention of his father, not one. And I find this very striking 
And then we find that when Paul is on the road to Damascus, having already officiated at the execution of Christians, that's how much he despised Christians, that he's on the way to Damascus, he's riding a horse, he's got people coming with him, and he's knocked off his horse. And as he's knocked off his horse, he's blinded by this incredible light, he says, and he hears a voice and he says, the others heard as well. And he hears, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Jesus says this to him, because Saul responds by saying, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, which I really do find interesting because Paul Saul was persecuting the church and Jesus takes that very personally. And so here we find Paul blinded by the light and then Christ says something profound to him and I'm sure most of us don't appreciate it but it was this, arise and stand. Arise and stand. Now chances are according to Paul's later rendition of that account that the others were hearing something but didn't understand what was going on the others were hearing something and perhaps they'd seen something but didn't really understand what was going on and there he is knocked off his horse on the ground he can't see and he hears Jesus say arise and take a stand arise and stand and so he does he stands up in the midst of those who had no idea what was going on And for the rest of his life, Paul would take a stand. To give you a bit of a snapshot of what happened to Paul, and I want to come to the really the end of his life. Paul was born about 5 AD. He died early, 65 AD. Whether that means he managed to tick over into 60 or not, not sure, but let's say he probably did. And We know that in that time, from being converted to Christianity, not to a religion, not to something you just do every Sunday, Christianity for Paul was not just turning up to church once a week. Christianity became his life. Christ became the centre of his life, out of which everything came like the hub of a wheel, not just one of the spokes that many people treat church and Christianity. For Paul, it became the deal. That he spent a good deal of time being trained in God's word learning about Jesus in fact up to 10 or so years was spent in seclusion learning about Christ learning about Christianity learning about God's word and so from there we see that he was found by a guy by the name of Barnabas means son of encouragement and Barnabas came and got him and brought him to a place called Antioch. And in Antioch, he became one of the elders in this church. And from there, the Holy Spirit said, when they were praying one day, when the elders were praying, set apart Barnabas and Paul, because I want them to now go. And so they are the first missionaries of the church, and off they go. Paul would go on three missionary journeys, major missionary journeys and every time the first missionary journey if I could do a little circle it would be like this the next missionary journey was like this the next missionary journey was like this and on that road to Damascus Jesus said to Paul you must bear witness to me here and beyond before Jews and Gentiles before rulers 
and kings. And we have recorded in the book of Acts that Paul spoke, plainly it states that he spoke to one king and by inference, Acts finishes with the story not yet finished, but Paul is now waiting to speak to the emperor of Rome, Nero. And so we know he spoke. And when he spoke, the record shows that Paul always, always, always brought the conversation to Jesus and to what Jesus had done. And for Paul, Jesus wasn't just some historical idea. Jesus was God in the flesh who came from heaven, came to earth, and has literally changed billions of lives since then. And so I'm sure Paul would have sown some kind of seed into the then emperor of Rome when he appeared before him. But I'm jumping a little bit ahead in the story. In between that time, Saul, we have recorded in the book of Acts, spent somewhere between four to six years of the latter part of his life imprisoned. We read in Acts that he was imprisoned in Caesarea, which was the Roman capital of the Israel region at that time. Uh, They didn't recognise Jerusalem as their capital. They had Caesarea after Caesar. And Paul spent two years in a prison there and was about to be released when he appealed to Caesar, which was a right of every Roman citizen. And from there, we read in the last few verses of the book of Acts that Paul was under house arrest for two years in Rome as well. So there's at least four years, plus we have some other accounts that probably add up to a year or so. So at least four, five, six years imprisoned. All because he wanted people to know about Jesus Christ. So this message, really, I hope just to wrap this up. This is called A Race Run Well, and this is out of the mouth of Paul himself, who was able to say in the last letter that he wrote, and in the Bible, letters are called epistles, and they have a a certain official and formal structure when they're called epistles. Paul says that he has run his race, and we'll see that in a moment. Let me show you, this is a, I think an important map I'm about to show you. You'll notice that there's blue and there's purple and, and the purple is the then Roman Empire by 37 AD. Just for those history nutters, the Roman Empire would continue to extend just a little bit more than this up until about 190 AD under a guy by the name of Hadrian and if you've ever been to England you'll know that Hadrian ordered a construction of a wall over there, Hadrian. And that marked the furthest extent of the Roman Empire at that time. The reason I'm showing you this is because for the people of that day, and this is a map showing the the extent of the Roman Empire under the reign of Emperor Tiberius, who was born, uh, as we all know, 44 BC, and as we all know, died... 37 AD, I thought I was about to hear someone say, and that's true. And so Christ was crucified 30 AD, so he was crucified under the then reign of Tiberius, and Tiberius died seven years after Christ uh, was crucified. So this was the world. That purple bit, for someone living in the first century around the Mediterranean, that's the world. That's it. And I just wanted you to see that and remind you that Christianity started and that little dot was there, Jerusalem. And by the time we're done, 
at the end of Revelation chapter 22, 21, Christianity had spread to every part of that purple area. And that should cause you to go, wow, that's amazing. The thing we need to realise is that people gave their lives to spread Christianity. And you have to ask a question, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why were they prepared to lay down their lives in order to spread Christianity? What's the big deal? And there is a big deal. And I kind of wrote about that this week in in our e-news where I talked about uh, John Allen Chow, uh, a young man, 25 years of age, who went to uh, the Sentinel Island in the Bay of Bengal, uh, just off the coast of India, who the media described as a foolhardy fool and someone who had no right to be there, who was illegally trespassing and broke all kinds of laws and being there. By the way, none of which is true. He had every right to be there. The India, you could go there if you wanted to, but you probably wouldn't want to because it's inhabited by people who are basically excused from Indian law, the Sentinelese. And that young man, John Allen Chow, was speared to death upon shortly arriving there. But he went there with the mission to share the gospel with these people. He was highly trained. He was trained in linguistics. He was trained in missions. He knew exactly the risks and he went there. And I guarantee you he won't be the last. The Spirit of God will call others to go there and take the gospel to these people group are one of the last 100 or so unreached people groups on the planet and others will go and others will succeed because the gospel will prevail. So I want you to, if you've got a Bible, I'm going to put it on the screen, but follow me here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says this to Timothy and 2 Timothy was just about the last thing that Paul wrote and when he's writing to Timothy, really, this is his, he describes him, his son in the faith. And we, in my next series in the new year, I'm actually going to be having a look at Timothy because he's a fascinating case study as well. Here's Paul, the fatherless one, the one who had a disconnect with his father, who takes under his wing this young boy, Timothy, who was also fatherless. And he became a father to Timothy. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead in my sermon series. This, this is what he says. I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, what does that sound like? Hopefully you realize that Paul is saying to Timothy, here I am. I'm awaiting my appearance before Caesar in Rome. I'm, I know I'm going to die. I know it. I know I'm going to die. And it's interesting how your whole disposition and outlook on life changes when you become at peace with that. And Paul certainly was, and he describes being at peace with this very notion. And here's my question, how the heck do you get to that place in life? How could Paul claim that he'd finished his race and run it well? How could he do that? Well, one of the epistles that he wrote shortly not that long before he wrote to uh, Timothy, First and Second Timothy, was the Colossians. 
and he written to the Ephesians and the Colossians about the same time. And I guess uh, Ephesus and Colossae were not too far away from Cilicia where Paul was born. And this is what he says to them. And remember, Paul on the road to Damascus is told, take the gospel to Jews and Gentiles, go into all the world, do this whole deal. And so this is what he wrote to the Colossians. And I want you to have that map that I showed you before in mind. Because this is what he says. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth. Here it is. The gospel. Get it? The gospel. Now, listen to what he says about the gospel. The gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Do you notice the extent to where Paul says this gospel is now reached? The whole what? The whole world. That doesn't mean Lagana, Tasmania at the time of Paul because that wasn't his world. But the world at that time, Paul says, this gospel has got there. We've got it there. We've taken it there. And we actually have early accounts of the 12 apostles who went to various parts of that world and for the most part suffered a high price for having done it. I won't sort of describe some of the detail there, but I mentioned it briefly in this week's pastor's desk. He goes on in verse 23, just in case you didn't get it. And I need to give you an expression that's in scripture. And it's this expression, every creature under heaven. That's the expression, every creature under heaven. And that essentially means God's people. God's people. Because they're under heaven. They're under God's authority. They're under heaven. So notice this. Down in verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul says this. And I'm telling you this because I think this is partly why Paul had an incredible peace that he was prepared to die because he would have felt he'd fulfilled his mission that Christ had given him. He says this. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, you may read that and just skim through because it's late at night and you're doing your daily readings last thing at night and you just sort of get to that last verse of Colossians chapter 1 and go, oh, cool, well, that's done without realising the profound thing that he's just said. This gospel has now been preached to every creature under heaven. That's a profound statement. What he's saying is every Jew in the world has now had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And while it might be too easy to think, and they all rejected it, they didn't. And we know from the book of Acts they didn't. We know from the epistles they didn't. Many of them received. And just like today, the gospel goes out. And for some reason, people have hearts that are hard and they just don't receive it. Like me. First 15 years of my life, it was, I was dull. I just heard it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and it didn't get in because my heart was hard. And then God did something in my heart and I got it. I got it. And I went on after high school, I, I worked for Kmart and I remember being in the storeroom at Kmart, I, I worked in about four different stores of Kmart around Victoria 
and we have in the storeroom in those days a belt that goes up and you put the box on and if that box doesn't want to go up, tough. It's going up. And I remember looking at that thinking, God, help me to be like this box. I want to step into your will and whether I feel like it or not, I just want you to help me to do it. Just help me to fulfill. And that was how much my heart had changed. And even now I pray that prayer, God, help me to do your will. And here's Paul saying, I've done it. I've done everything you've asked me to do. It's, it's amazing. So this, I think, gives Paul the basis to be able to say, I've run my race. My race is done. And so by the time Paul had done, he'd preached to Gentile kings. He preached to Jews and Gentiles. He had declared his, God's word to proconsuls. These are kind of the guys, uh, governors under Caesar, sent around the world. We finish up the book of Acts where he's just on the verge of being able to have an audience with Caesar Nero and declare God's word to Caesar Nero. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive within his lifetime considering, and this is going to shock young people, um, there was no internet then. There was no technology that we have in abundance. And I say that to say, if we could figure this out, we could actually leverage the amazing resources we have today. If, as Caleb said, we were prepared not just to depend on equipment, but we're actually to do something with the equipment. And I guess I should give credit to Reese, really, who Caleb was referring to. So when we look at what Paul had achieved throughout his life, and I think it's reasonable for every, particularly every man that gets to the end of their life, and they think, what have I done? What, what, what's going to be left behind? What's my legacy? What was Paul's legacy? What did he manage to achieve throughout his life? Well, firstly, Paul says, and you remember in one of those scriptures, he actually says, he writes, I think, to the Corinthians where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And many did. Many were inspired by Paul. So firstly, his legacy was the fact that he lived a faithful example. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 10, where he writes to Timothy, and in essence he's writing to the Ephesian church by default, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. And Christianity requires steadfastness and if you is, is, is there anyone here who has a stubborn streak one two people and curiously I was just gonna until you put your hand up uh, Troy everyone I saw three hands go up and they're all women isn't that curious no inference drawn no inference drawn no inference drawn but I'm not surprised anyway so if you have a stubborn streak you actually have I think a God-given advantage to being able to hang in there, hang in there, and to be steadfast. And this, this is what Paul says, that this was one of the things that he had lived and it had been part of his legacy. The other thing is, you know, when we read through the New Testament, we're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then we get into the churches that Paul started 
Romans, Corinthians, and then we get to go everywhere, preach Christ, G, E, P, C, G, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And these are the churches that Paul started. So there's a legacy of churches that Paul started. And Paul actually says this, that he had a God-given ability to start these churches and someone else had a God-given ability to come and give them a kick along. And we need people who can do that. So he says this, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And so I think sometimes, you know, you may not be the first person who shares your story. And really, if you want to know how do you, how do you witness to someone, how do you share Christ with someone, it's relatively simple. Tell them your story. I've shared my story with you. And I think you can share your story with others. And the power of story, I think, is a huge stone in someone's shoe. And eventually, someone else is going to come along and share their story. And they're going to hear that Christ changes lives today. So Paul's legacy is the 13 books of the New Testament that he wrote. There's 27 books of the New Testament. Paul wrote 13 of them, just under half of them. And in his lifetime, those 13 books, Books, those 13 epistles were regarded as scripture equal to the Old Testament. As we've heard tonight, Paul knew his life was coming to an end and he was not just okay with it, he was happy that he'd run the race well. He knew that God's judgment awaited him and he had no reason to fear. The question is, do you share Paul's hope and confidence? More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.